0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of our completely untitled uh, music podcast. I am Alan Richardson. I am here with Dana Slattery. Hey, Dana.
1: Hey, Alan.
0: And I we're here Andrew. with Joe <laughs> Polana. Hey, guys. Hey, Joe. Uh, Dana and I worked together at a record store for, what, two years or three years, something like that. So we, like, only ever talked about music, obviously that's all you're selling and all you're doing or thinking about. And you're in your early twenties and you're spending all your money on music anyways. And weed. And, and, and weed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever, man. Uh, you know, don't, you don't gotta, you don't gotta put that. No one's gotta know that. I, you know, <laughs> no one's gotta know, dude. Uh, it was legal then too.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: So, but yeah, all y'all we're doing is listening to records and smoking weed and hanging out. And then uh, Joe and I, uh, I know Joe from performing comedy around Boston together, and all we ever talk about before and after shows is mostly just Harry Nilsson or weed. Ween, sorry, not weed this time. <gasps> oh no, they talk about it too. <laughs> <laughs> I only you talk about it. I don't even smoke. I can
2: hide from just mentioning it. <laughs> you do. You always you say it, but your eyes go. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but uh, I mean that's that's all any of us have talked about really together is music and going off on musical tangents. <laughs> we uh, we all decided on a few things. We decided we like music, and uh, I forced Dana and Joe to like each other. I guess <laughs> I decided that one. <laughs> but What we're going to be doing here is uh, every week, one of us will be choosing an album to discuss that means something to us. And uh, we're going to be taking turns doing that and listening to music and uh, having long, nerdy discussions like the 15 minutes we've been talking already today. But uh, what we don't have is a title yet. So (laughs) you might be listening to Wax on the Tracks or Super Best Friend Music Group or 33 and Me or, I don't know, Batman versus Superman just for the the search engine optimization. I want the Snyder Snyder Cut of this podcast.
1: Uh, Joe Rogan's Serial Come
0: Trap House. Right. Yeah. You might be listening to Joe Rogan's Cereal Come Trap House. I feel like that one, it has to be like Jeff, like Jeff Rogan or something to avoid copyright. You can't copyright your own name. But could, well, I guess you can. All right, what about like defamation? I guess you, I mean, Zappa did it. That's true. Well, not he didn't do it, but his whole half his stinking family did. That's a whole bummer in itself, but we're not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna start this show. We're not getting
1: into that. <laughs> it
0: will undoubtedly come up.
3: But there's a very good chance we might.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, there is uh, a segment that I, I thought this weekend. I was like, you know, we should be doing this every episode. And I thought, like, you know what, I'm not gonna tell them I'm gonna do it. But I do have a surprise segment I want to do on every episode, uh, which is degrees from Frank Zappa. Where I figure out how many degrees from Frank Zappa every album we discusses. I love that. Well, it's gonna be my yeah. own little project.
1: That's perfect.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I, well, I knew there would be something. We can't just like. We. I feel like it was unspoken. Like we were all just not gonna talk about how Frank Zappa was gonna enter into this equation. Yeah. I, right off the bat.
2: I. I just this yesterday discovered a great single degree from Frank Zappa that he made a 1967 razor jingle sung by Linda Ronstadt. What a weird really? confluence of things.
0: I don't think I knew that. The word confluence? It's so bizarre. Uh- <laughs> no, <laughs> well, both, you know, now that you bring it up, honestly, both. <laughs> I know Zapper wrote a razor jingle, and I didn't know what, um what was it, confidence? Yeah,
2: what is confidence? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, but this first album we're doing today, it's going to be uh, real easy because the album we're doing today is uh, T-Rex's Electric Warrior, which uh, I chose and I almost said it wrong. Right
3: <laughs> One of
0: my favorites, it's, it's a very personal album to mine. It's something my brother, my older brother and I bonded over very much when I was uh, like 19, 20 years old. And, uh, so it's you know, one of the
1: first records I ever bought Really? Yeah
0: Al- Like albums or like actual vinyl records?
1: Actual vinyl records Nice Yeah, I feel like I just started getting into collecting records At the same time I was really getting into this album And that was like my first like I need to find
3: this record hmm. yeah. But I couldn't
1: find it anywhere for a while And like I, n- I never understood why I feel like there was like always like a not very much t-rex in the bins at the record stores that no i shopped at for whatever reason
2: yeah it's funny like i feel like that was part of um like you know before we actually did it what you were talking about alan of why you picked this is that it's like a great album that like most people like know a little bit of and like but like no one thinks of it right away it's not like yeah a go-to and like one that like everybody is always thinking of, but yeah. it's,
0: it's it's like a weirdly iconic cover. Mm-hmm. It's got some of the most like I think I think "Get It On" you could call one of the most like well known songs. Yeah, it's, a, in last, it's in like a million
2: commercials like,
0: years. It's mm-hmm. in "Remember the Titans," probably.
2: Yeah, almost definitely.
0: The amount of songs I think were in "Remember the Titans" is insane. The the amount of music I assume is in "Remember the Titans."
1: Not uh, that it was actually in Remember the Titans, but the amount of music that you think
0: Yeah. Yeah. I specifically when they show up at the school for the first time, the amount of songs I'm pretty sure they're playing in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just express yourself, but I'm pretty sure it's actually getting I like, on I like a young Donald Faison song.
2: just rock it out to T Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we thought we all thought this would be a good first album to do uh and i chose it personally because this is like this is my go-to calm down relax album i don't know if do you guys have one of those like a specific album you go back to anytime you really are freaking out
1: yeah definitely yeah. it's not it's definitely not horny glam rock <laughs> <laughs> that's, that oh, doesn't calm me down.
0: that's what calms me down is <laughs> horny glam rock
2: <laughs> that could be the name of the podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> horny
2: glam just
3: talk about <laughs>
1: I like that
2: what's what's your what's your chill out album Ta
1: um I usually will like put something on like uh, uh brian Eno and laraji's album together you guys ever heard that one yeah. mm. it's just it's super ambient and like he plays places you know Laraji is this like new age artist that plays the zither and it's just like it's like a perfect Album for me, and like that's what I mean when like I wouldn't go into like horny glam rock to calm down, like something like you know Brian Eno. Yeah, chills me out because I like don't have to think about it too much.
0: As if Brian Eno's ambient music isn't the horniest thing you've ever heard. (laughs) He's so (laughs) horny for for airports. (laughs) He's
1: so horny for airports. (laughs) Careful,
0: Brian. We gotta have this music be discreet. (laughs) Do you have one, Joe?
2: Uh, lately it's been, like, Arthur Russell. He's just been really chilling me out. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, World of Echo. I don't know Arthur Russell, either. Oh, I'll, I'll talk about Arthur. He's been, he's gotten me through quarantine. I, like, fell in love with that guy. Uh,
0: yeah, so I, I guess my calm down is, uh, is horny glam rock. <laughs> it's only one of them. I have, like, there's, I, there's also Simon and Garfunkel, which is, like, horny mom rock. <laughs> Uh, or Yo Yo Ma, which is horny mom rock. But I didn't really know much about Mark Bolin uh, before like going into heavier research on this album. Um, these are things. So let's, you guys want to get right into this album? Yeah, let's do it. Any more music changes? We got to get out?
1: I'm sure we'll find them as they oh, yeah. come up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure they'll come up.
1: First episode is six hours.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. I mean, let's let's shoot for the moon. Let's do it. This is like I got I got until two p.m. on Monday.
2: <laughs> yeah. This is like our apocalypse. Now we'll just record like so many hours and just trim it. <laughs> we'll figure it out later.
0: First, I bought this album and I did not like it when I first heard it. Um, it was an album that my friend had in his bedroom. Uh, that you know this is not so. He had like the case in his room. And I'd always see the case and I'd be like, this is such a cool looking album that I bet is so fucking heavy. And if you don't know the cover for Electric Warrior, it is um, it's like a two tone picture. It's mostly like, I guess, a silhouette of him in front of kind of like gold amps. And he's got like a gold outline and the rest of it's all black. It's very like minimal. And I was like, this looks heavy. It looks very intense. I have to get it. And I bought it. And I put it on, and it is not heavy. It is not intense. And I was like, this album sucks. (laughs) And I was like, this is such a shitty album. I'm so disappointed. I can't believe I bought this album. Uh, And then another year or two went by. I got into Zappa, and I realized, hey, some singers from Zappa are on this album. I'll give it another listen. And uh, I'm so glad I did, because this became one of my like top 10 albums. Uh, It is like my go-to like sentimental favorite. Even when I was um, very broke and selling off records for rent money, this is one of the 30 records I kept because I simply could not get rid of it. Uh, it hard filed. Yeah. Hard filed
1: in the shelves eternally.
0: Yeah, this is like, this is going to get buried with me. (laughs) My horny teenage dead body. Uh, so that's my, <laughs> we'll cut that out. Not leave it uh, in. We'll
2: that name, name, name the podcast Horny Teenage to Body.
0: <laughs> horny Teenage Corpse Talk. Actually, that, is, that sounds like we're having horny talk about teenage corpses, not that the corpse is a horny <laughs> teenager. And I want to make that clear. The corpse is a horny teenager. The talk is normal.
1: It's <laughs> normal talk about
0: uh, I, get your mind out
2: of the gutter, folks.
0: You're on Joe Rogan's cereal cum dump or whatever it was. <laughs> it would be funny to call
2: dump. it Jeff Rogan. <laughs> the Jeff <laughs>
3: Jeff Rogan's cum dump. Just
2: the Jeff Rogan experience. Oh, okay. Like let's just go off. <laughs> if we, if one of us legally changes our name, they can't sue us. <laughs>
0: I feel like yeah. you're the closest, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it for, for, for the pod.
1: I'll do it.
0: Well, all right, hold on. What if one all right what one of us can be Roe and one of us can be Gan, so that it's Joe, Roe, and Gan. <laughs> but then we gotta figure out why one of our nicknames is Gan. <laughs> You're the game man. <laughs> All right, I'll be the game man. Dana, you better get into canoeing or something. Yeah. Or you row. Hell yeah.
1: Uh, they call me Rogue on account of that I like to row. Um,
0: <laughs> that feels like a Wes Anderson character. That is a Wes Anderson character. He lives on a <laughs> canoe. They never. She, she never gets water. I don't know how she lives, but she lives in a canoe. She just listens
2: to horny glam
0: rock <laughs> on her canoe. <laughs> Uh, so all right, so yes, Electric Warrior. Of course, that's what we've been talking about this whole time. Uh, it was recorded between March and June of 1971. Uh, it was released September 24th of the same year, which seems quick to be done recording in June and then have it come out in September. Yeah. I feel like it would nowadays it would take so much longer, but there's probably so much less production maybe that people put into it back then, or like.
1: Oh, no, like that, the album is like so, like it's produced so well and there's like so much going on Yeah. on the album. Is it uh, Visconti, Joe Visconti? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, or Tony, Tony, Joe
0: Visconti.
1: <laughs> Tony Visconti. <laughs> well,
0: they got Joe in the brain. And the Joe Visconti <laughs> experience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's because I've been watching The Sopranos lately. Everything
2: well, then you should bizarre. have jumped well, right to Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you want to you
1: it, just sound, it just makes more sense just to me. About know. Joe
3: <laughs> <laughs> <You know.
0: laughs>
1: but um you know, I feel like so much of like what makes the album so like memorable and like so, so timeless is like the production on it is just like it's incredible. It you know, it started like or it's it spawned a lot of people say glam rock in general. It was like yeah. one of the the earlier glam rock albums, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with like the wild production on it. And so it's like it's kind of amazing to me that they were they turned it around so fast.
0: Yeah, I do know this is their sorry going. Oh, I was just sure. gonna say yeah, the production it like holds
2: together as an album so mm-hmm. well. Like it's just the, the flow from track to track and like the consistency of the sound it's it's
0: nuts yeah it is it's the sixth album they've done together he produced all of their albums leading up to it and i bet that that familiarity a helped it move along quick and b like got the sound down so well at that point uh because i was reading an interview with with uh with joe tony and (laughs) he was saying that the sound that like was kind of sitting behind Tyrannosaurus Rex the whole time was the sound of electric warrior, but it was just done on bongos and guitar. And so it kind of felt like the way they all kind of described it is like this album was kind of sitting there and wait in their sound. And they just hadn't opened it up yet. Uh, Cause this is, this is essentially like it's weird. Cause the more you listen to interviews about it, the more you're like, this is just a money grab for America album. Uh, which is all they talk about it as huh. is like, this is us trying to appeal to a mainstream audience and hit American markets harder. Uh, Here it's the we first are time...
1: three Americans.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it worked.
3: <It's> amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. Work. Yeah. I mean, it, it gets, it got my money a couple of times. I have like <laughs> three copies of it. And uh, it's the only thing that calms me down is capitalism. <laughs> Uh, it was recorded at, uh, three, four studios in three different places, Trident and AdVision studios in London, England at the Wally Hyder studio in LA and the media sound studios in in New York, which the way I guess they were kind of just traveling around and recording when they could in those three cities with whoever they could. And it was released, uh, like I said, September 24th by the label was Fly in the UK and it was they had released every Tyrannosaurus Rex album up until now and it was the last one they released because they released a single of Jeepster without asking Mark Bolan, without asking Mark Bolan and uh, letting him know and he got so pissed off that they released the single, even though the single became a hit, he became so offended that he like took a loophole in the contract and just Got out and went to EMI, which I thought was pretty funny. Dare you make yeah, probably me?
1: Probably a good move for him too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think then he ended up making his own record label off of as an offshoot of EMI. Uh, this was also released on Reprise Records in the US, which is a sub-label of Warner Brothers, the most beloved record label that could ever be. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but positive things to say about Warner Brothers by anyone. Sorry, I dropped my matches. Uh, So, yeah, those are facts. (laughs) And I had no segue, (laughs) but I started the word so. Uh, But yeah, so this is like Mark Bolin and then trying to get from being a two-piece folk group in England called Tyrannosaurus Rex. To become a global commodity known as T-Rex. And the album before this, uh, whose name I absolutely know, and I'm not stalling, I'm just saying stuff. The album before this was oh, what a spoiler, it was called T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a letdown. Um it Questioned, was
1: have, yes. have either of you listened to any of T-Rex's other albums?
0: Yes. I have not.
1: I haven't either, and I love this album.
0: Wait, so you haven't heard S- anything before? Oh, wait,
1: slider, slider. Slider, I know.
0: Yeah, what about, uh, so you don't know Bolin, Zip Gun or Dandy in the Underworld?
2: No. <laughs> are, are you Those just putting
0: ones. words together? <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, real...
0: You guys never heard this- of... Um, like, my star is a sausage and my galaxy is the world or something, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: not Chocolate real.
0: Chocolate starfish. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> it's a Chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored T-Rex album. Uh, my people were fair and had sky in their hair, but now they're content to wear stars on their brows. That's their first brows. album. The album is titled.
1: I, I only know T Rex. I was that was the only one that was made for Americans, I guess, and that's the only one I.
0: Heard. I only listen well, to was, things uh, made for Americans. Well, so they actually right. made a. They made three of them for America, you guys.
3: Oh, you oh, fucked it.
0: up. You missed two American albums. Uh, Electric post, Warrior was the start. Well.
1: <laughs> huh. I said post Electric Warrior.
0: Right, yeah, there's uh Let Your Warrior the Slider and then Tanks is the third one that was like for um they were like gunning for the American market, I guess. Even though it was recorded in France. Uh and it's not a great album. I don't like tanks. Okay. Sorry, that's why we're not doing an episode on tanks. That's all <laughs> that's all tank sketch for this episode. Tanks for the memories. <laughs> uh, but Dandy in the Underworld was his last album, and that album uh, is is incredible.
1: Great name. Hamlet.
0: Yeah, I I think it's based on a short story. That name, I think it's like an old, um, some old short story. Uh, Hamlet. Yeah, <laughs> that old the same thing. Everything is. You know, I just watched Sons of Anarchy, and I guess that's based on Hamlet. That's.
2: Really? (laughs) yeah well you remember when hamlet rides in on his motorcycle
0: (laughs) that's why they call it high on the hamlet hog
2: (laughs) (laughs) hamlet hog is a great name for a band
0: (laughs) hamlet hog is a great name for like a son (laughs) (laughs) like like
2: a like a interstellar son or like your male child
0: if he wants to become an astronaut, he can. <laughs> this is my astronaut son, <laughs> Hamlet Hogg Richardson. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, yeah, I have listened to... So early T-Rex is... It's just like a two-piece folk band with acoustic guitar and bongos and like some other percussion. Uh, T-Rex, the album before this is when they started, like uh, Tony Visconti added strings to it and they had, I believe it was Hot Love was the single that came out after T-Rex, but before Electric Warrior that had like a full band and drums and that kind of bridged the gap of sound. Uh, but that's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised you never listen to anything after Electric Warrior because it's it's good. And they came out with a lot of, a lot of, they came out with a good series of albums that all had alternate mixes of every one. I think was like Mark Boland's like original mixes, then the uh, like CD release ones. Huh. But I highly suggest, and to anyone listening electric warrior, the slider uh, Boland zip gun and dandy in the underworld. Those are all uh, great albums, but let's talk about the cover. I did not know. Uh, the cover was by, I have the note in here, I have the note, but I have so many notes in here, and it makes you wonder where it is. Hypnosis, Hypnosis, I think is what Hypnosis, I think was the group. Uh, Storm Thorgerson, you guys know that name? No. Uh, they did some of my favorite album covers. They did was Hawkwind, Quark, Strangeness and Charm, Hot Chocolates, Everyone's a Winner. And uh, one of my favorite album covers is Throbbing Gristle, 20 Jazz Funk Rates. But they also did pretty much all the Pink Floyd stuff. Uh, they did a lot of Led Zeppelin and both the Sid Barrett albums. Oh. But yeah, I mean, he did literally, I think, every uh, Pink Floyd album. They're not all listed here, but Hypnosis. pretty much Every one of their albums was either done by Hypnosis as a group or Storm Thorgerson. Thor, Thor, Yeah. Storm Thor. Which is an
1: incredible name. And it's like
2: his, yeah. it's not even like a stage name. That's his actual name.
1: That's his actual name.
2: Storm yeah, Elvin
0: Thorgerson. And he's like a British guy, which is even more confusing because it doesn't sound like. I like it sounds He's like like some sort of Viking. His name. photo on Wikipedia
2: yeah. is just like, yeah, I'm I'm Storm Thorkinson.
0: <laughs> I don't know why my name's that either. <laughs> I'm also confused. Doesn't fit, but there it is. All right, so back to Electric Warrior. This was well the for the charts, it reached a uh, number six on the U.S. charts. Oh. No, wait, sorry. Uh, I was reading the wrong stat. It was, this is the sixth album they've done as a band first in the U S that's what I was reading. It reached number 32 on the U S charts. It was much less
1: impressive.
0: Yeah, much less. That's why I read (laughs) six. And I was like, ah, wait, I know that's not true. (laughs) It was number one in the UK charts for eight full weeks. It was number one for eight weeks in the UK charts. It was on the charts for a total of 44 weeks. And uh, it was also number 25 on what I assume is Australia's billboard charts. There, It's Australia's Kent Music Report. I, I hope that's somebody's name. Just I'm yeah, Kent Music, just some and here's my Kent. report. We just trust Kent. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever Kent says is good. We'll listen to it. He's Kent Music. <laughs> uh, the single, Bang a Gong, Get It On, uh, was... It, re, it was on the top ten U.S. singles chart. Chart. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ.
2: Hey, hey.
0: Jesus oh, Christ. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, it was. It was called "Get It On" on the charts in the in the U.K. and then it was retitled <laughs> "Bang a Gong, Get It On" in the U.S. Uh, to avoid confusion with another song called "Get It On" by a band named Chase that's a good song Get It On by Chase I've never heard it
2: I never heard it but then never even heard of Chase my college uh, marching band we would play Get It On it's fun it's like it's a good marching band song so it's like ba da it's just very poppy
0: <laughs> what else what, what else happens in it nah, it's just ba da <laughs> <laughs> it's just that over and yeah, over yeah. and over again you should listen to it it's, it's, it's a good song alright let's see what it is Now, this is something sexy. (laughs) This is exactly what you're described. Were you the singer in your high school marching band? (laughs) No,
2: I played the tuba. (laughs) Well,
0: all right. That was very sexy. That was a good marching band song. What did you play? Tuba. Tuba? Mm
2: -hmm. Roughly the same size as me.
0: Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, I feel like that's, Kind of, you're like you're the same size and shape of a tuba. <laughs> I'm really wide at the top, and then I never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That's Your how they assign instruments. <laughs> <laughs> they just like have pictures of instruments they're holding up next to the kid. <laughs> oh, that. No, no, oh, tuba for sure.
0: <laughs> That's why they never let me play flute. Like, sorry, Chubby, you're on the saxophone or nothing. <laughs>
2: did you play the saxophone out?
0: I did. Uh, I stopped and then I was like one day I'm going to quit smoking and I'm going to start playing the saxophone again Uh, and then I quit smoking but I still have just not played saxophone but I do have one
1: trumpet you do you still have it
0: I do still have it yeah I gotta get it like fixed and get a new mouthpiece but you have you play the trumpet or you played I played
1: I played the trumpet yeah middle school band
0: then is a confusing (laughs) instrument the trumpet
1: You know, and arguably maybe the most offensive sound to learn how to make sound good.
2: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. bad trumpet (laughs) is is so loud. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like you could like hide the other, like if you're a bad flutist, like in middle school, you could just kind of be quietly bad at the flute.
1: Quiet about it. Yeah. You can't be quiet.
0: Yeah, because you're just not making sound.
2: Though, I think clarinet, because it squawks, it's like if you're not good oh, at that's it. That's
3: true, yeah.
2: Like it's very qui- it's it's very quiet when you're good at it. But if you're bad at it, it's loud as shit. I don't know. It's like really cruel to give to like 10-year-olds. <laughs> cool like cruel
3: for them. to their parents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
0: all right, so let's see. Keeping down the Keeping up with the notes on Electric Warrior. We're making good time. Uh in 1987, it was on the Rolling Stone. It was number 100 on Rolling Stone 100 Greatest Albums in the Last 20 Years. It barely made the list.
1: Oof. Uh, rolling in his grave.
0: Yeah. Do you guys want to see the top 10 was here? Yeah, sure. Top yeah. 100 albums the last 20 years in specific.
2: Really? Plastic Ono Band.
0: So, yeah, we'll start with 10 here. Uh, Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? The Beatles, uh, The White Album. Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run. Van Morrison, Astral Weeks, at number seven. You got David Bowie, um, Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Jimi Hendrix Experience, Are You Experienced? Number four, we got John Lennon of the Plastic Ono Band, uh, with John Lennon and the Plastic Ono Band. Uh, we got Rolling Stones, Exile and Main Street, number three. Number two is Sex Pistols, Nevermind the Bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. And number one was the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band.
1: This is the Rolling Stone list?
0: Yeah, of from 1987. 100? Of the last oh, 20 oh. years.
1: Okay, I see.
0: But I'd still say there are better at Beatles albums than Sgt. Pepper's in that time.
2: Yeah, the Sex Pistols album is important, but it's
0: not good. In no. my opinion. I don't, Number I don't
2: two, think it's,
1: right? Like, what?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's as important either as, like, it is told it to be. I don't know. It's no, like It was just, like, the, cla- the Clash were so much comically Culturally. better.
2: The Sex Pistols yeah. were just first.
1: Yeah. I feel like whoever made this list was just, like, oh, and a punk one, because... We because it's one. 87 because it's important right now it's right?
0: 87 yeah. and like fuck reagan it was like yeah classic Odo band is a
2: wild choice though it's like a good album but top 10 if the past 20 years like no way well
0: you know what i was actually listening to it last night and uh i was thinking about it and this is the only reason i can think of it hitting number four which this is honestly this is another one of my like top 10 favorite albums um
1: on your top 10 list
0: yeah but i wouldn't but even i'm sitting here like number four (laughs) (laughs) the the only thing i can think of is like the shock of this coming out you know to for john lennon to go from the beatles and abbey road right to mother
2: that's a great song
0: you know, but that's like the first John Lennon song off this first solo album post Beatles. Like, that's gotta be something to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I feel like this list is just a lot of like. It was a, more so like cultural than like
0: yeah, the actual music.
1: That
2: it was definitely like a white. Are you just guy. saying that
0: because you got Astral Weeks and Born to Run back to back. Like what the? Fuck? I
2: love <laughs> Astral Weeks. I could do. Borderlands, like, not even, like, my favorite Springsteen. It's, like, fine. And I, it's not even top three, I think.
0: I'm not a Springsteen guy.
2: I like his, like, real, like, his, like, first, his second album I love because it's wild. It just doesn't sound anything like any of his other albums. There's, like, tubas on it. Like, it's like, oh, okay, this was, like,
1: well, that's why you yeah, love you it. Yeah, you could
2: have he it as yeah, a fucking kid, tuba boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you feel like he could have gone the Tom Waits route and that he didn't.
0: Interesting. So it's fun. I only know the only one I really liked is Nebraska.
2: I like that one, but my dad hates it. It's so funny because he—he's hes like a. My dad is a folk singer, so he just like resents Nebraska because like if any actual folk musician put it out, no one would give a shit. <laughs> it's just because it, it was Springsteen put out a folk album. <laughs>
1: Now it's. you're scrolling through this list and i'm like yep like that is makes more sense to me to be like way higher further up at the top
0: yeah but like even the velvet
1: like, underground Are you kidding
0: yeah it's a way but having Derek and the dominoes layla and other other sort of love songs even on the list i think it's insane. insane it's not
2: it's <laughs> not good
0: yeah uh, the band uh, should
2: be way up in my opinion the the self titled yeah. album. I love
1: that
0: one. Yeah, for sure. Uh let's see what else we got. The Clash self-titled <laughs> at twenty seven. Yuck.
1: Elvis Costello is up here twice and we haven't even broken thirty yet. It was the eighties. Yeah. 80s.
0: Yeah. 80s. Uh, yeah, that is yeah. God the... I mean I do I do love my aim is true. Love that album. Or no, this year's model I think is actually my favorite though, which was I think like, But 11, it's
2: crazy like... for two of them to be above slide the family stone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Trump Mask is on here and number thirty-three, Dark Side of the Moon. Oh man. got two prints. You got see like every Bruce Springsteen album is on this list.
2: Sure. Yeah, it was it was also the like
0: having all the like to say Green's Clearwater is the forty third best album to come out in the last twenty years is like Green River is not even like their really great one. But uh, they
2: had uh Willie and the Poor Boys up earlier.
0: But, yeah, not much earlier. But like, but I mean, like, I think the only one they really did anything crazy with was Pendulum, uh, and I guess that's the end of my or like Cosmos Factory.
2: Yeah, I love Credits.
0: Yeah, oh, greens is one of my favorites. Wow, Blue is
2: relatively low for how good it is.
1: That's insane. And like yeah. important. But this list just doesn't hold up.
0: Oh, it's crazy! <laughs> I was reading it yesterday. And I was like, this is not a good list.
2: Modern Lover is wild. I mean, I like that album, but it's a weird one.
0: Uh, so see, you got Murmur, you got Moondance, you got Harder They Come soundtrack. That's a great That's album. A great
1: one. I've been listening to that a lot lately. I, oh, yeah? Yeah. I just saw that movie for the first time a couple months ago, and it, like just like blew my brain wide open it's so I love good movie. and the soundtrack's perfect i love so. J-
2: jimmy cliff i saw him live and it was one of the no way like he's like in his like 70s and it was so fun because he has just no humility and it's awesome it's just like he, he like structured <laughs> the concert as like a tour through his like career and so it's just like so i was already like one of the greatest musicians ever and then i became a movie star. <laughs> it was just awesome. And you know what? he's earned it.
0: He has.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So we got Sly and the Family Stone's greatest hits on here. That's just a strange what? thing to put a greatest hits. Yeah. yeah,
1: like i i guess that it still counts but oh, and there There's,
0: and there's Electric Warrior. And meaty beady big and bouncy, I believe, is a collection as well from the Who. What does Beady even mean? I don't know. The Who is so great, except for I guess Pete Townsend, uh, who's a real bummer.
2: I don't honestly know that much about the Who. It's like a weird blind spot.
0: Oh man, I love the Who. Uh they're they're one of my favorites. Uh they're 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 great, but like I would never go pay to see the Who because now it's just Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend, and Pete Townsend's uh, an idiot and a monster, and Keith Moon and John Entwistle are dead. So what's the point of seeing them? I didn't even also, know that they
1: still toured. That's
0: I think they weird. did like recently like a couple of years ago. It was like them and Joan Jett. That's a weird Sorry. concert. That
3: well, is it's,
0: well. That's it's that's the thing though is that there's not a lot of overlap between those two groups but it's those two groups that have to play like groups that have to play in like stadiums and big things. So they have to have like two different headliners to get everyone that would go see the who, and then everyone that goes see Joan Jett. So that way they could fill it up. Cause like, there's not enough of a cross section left to fill it up on their own.
1: Why don't they just play a smaller venue?
0: Because they're it's, you know, the who. (laughs) Yeah. Right. They can't admit it. Yeah. uh, what is this, a Harry Nilsson song? So, let's see. Keeping keep up with all this Electric Warrior talk, I'm getting <laughs> overloaded on facts here. 2003, it was number 160 on Rolling Stone's 500 albums of all time, which is an even more bonkers list, which I just deleted. <laughs> I mean, Rolling Stone does, like, suck. And uh, right. I that's like a real, that's, a, that's, a, that's an opinion I have. And that I don't think will ever be changed. Mm-hmm. And when I looked up these lists, I was like, yeah, this is absolutely not gonna change my opinion. This is a bullshit magazine. Right. Uh what is the Zappa quote that music journalism is uh journalism by people who can't write, written for people who can't read? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I think is this quote on. I it? did it's beautiful. I wonder if I can find it. Is
2: there was uh I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Seattle, uh, no, in, uh, Cleveland, and there was, like, <laughs> an exhibit about Rolling Stone magazine, and they just had, like, a bunch of, like, magazines, um, like, like, famous covers, and there was just, like, a weird thing where there was always, like, a huge national tragedy next to Mike Myers, it was just <laughs> like Austin Powers really? and then like 9-11 in the same poster <laughs> like it was just, it was, and then like it was like Ace Ventura and the AIDS epidemic. It was just like why why is Rolling Stones consistently putting goofy? <laughs> uh, if I could find the pictures I took
0: <laughs> poor Mike Myers and his getting saddled with uh tragedies.
2: <laughs> I know he did I, I said was, Ace Ventura was it was
0: Kacharina. What was katrina with him and uh kanye west mike myers yeah it was uh him and kanye west were doing a ad for like fund fundraising for katrina victims and that's when kanye west just blurted out the george bush doesn't care about black people and you can see the look on mike myers's face of just like oh god (laughs) yeah baby he's (laughs) he's, (laughs) he's, (laughs) Kanye, oh, behave <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Rock Steady by No Doubt is the 316th greatest album of all time That's not even a good album <laughs> <laughs> It's,
3: it's, be anywhere it's, on it's there.
0: much better than Help by the Beatles <laughs> <laughs> and I like Ska. I'm like a, a shameless
2: Ska guy, and that's not like a good one. <laughs> uh,
0: even right.
1: in the Ska world, that's not a good
0: one. Yeah, even we're embarrassed for this one. <laughs> yeah. So we're like the most embarrassing fans.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, it was Mike Myers. It was Wade's World in the Origin of AIDS. <laughs> On the same same Rolling Stone cover. And then Austin Powers and Life and Death at Columbine (laughs) High School.
3: Oh my god.
2: So those two covers, I'm glad Rolling Stone exists because we got that. (laughs) Just for that.
1: Somebody at Rolling Stone just hates Mike Myers for
3: some
2: reason. Imagine like that photo of Austin Powers and like, that's like his reaction to
0: Columbine.
2: Imagine,
0: imagine you're cryogenically frozen in the (laughs) sixties. And you come back the day of the Columbine shootings. Send me back, baby. <laughs> not times really. are different, baby. <laughs> you got the jumblies mixed up. Uh, so <laughs> those kids a do a not have mojo. <laughs> <laughs> All this death and dying's messing with my mojo, baby. <laughs> back in my day, the kids were just shagging in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> I want that alternative Austin Powers mover where he has to he has to go on the scene of the crime. For
2: that, oh the humanity, First, baby!
0: Before we get before we get you back into the heavy duty, let's just have stop. Oh, I'm so I'm sorry. Last time I saw this many bodies on the floor, they're doing some more writhing, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh, someone's gonna search for this episode looking for a, something about an Electric Warrior. And it devolves about Columbine. Columbine. <laughs> That's the name of the podcast. Awesome Powers of
2: oh. Columbine. Oh
1: my god. An examination.
2: <laughs> an in depth <laughs> article by Rolling Stone Magazine. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay so let's go through some more electric warrior facts
2: I'll just not say uh, anything
0: <laughs> no 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 by all means I, I'm all about I'm I'm all about derailing things and uh, digressions I'm that's that's to me the most fun part of anything uh, <laughs> especially because we got to some good places today uh, so T-Rex which of course we're talking about not Austin Powers uh, by 1972, they accounted for 6% of all British domestic oh, record fuck. sales, which is insane to think about. One band being 6% of all record sales in Britain. Uh, they were yeah, selling 100,000 copies a day, which is crazy. Because then it's like all the thoughts about Mark Boland being like a fraud or this being a money gram, it's like kind of hard to say anything negative about it cuz like well it did work insanely you know cuz he does seem to be like a, an actual you know like i mean as far as like lyrics go and music he's you know fairly genius uh so i yeah, wrote down Yeah definitely. I wrote down some uh some review quotes here. I have Chris Jones from BBC Music called it a slice of pop heaven, which I was like, now that's nice. I like um, that.
1: That's a nice thing to say.
0: And then I have uh, Brian James of Pitchfork is off obviously much later. Uh, the first and best of a trio of brilliant albums. When T-Rex is kicking out the jams, they sound like they're having the most. This is such like a, I'm clearly writing a retrospective of music. Let me add things like kicking out the jams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they sound like they're having the most gleeful, absurd good time ever committed to wax. The most significant aspect of Electric Warrior isn't in a are- isn't its arena rock confidence. It's that Bolin allows his grooming mask to slip on ballads like Cosmic Dancer, Monolith, and Girl. He speaks in the same gibberish as elsewhere, but he clearly is haunted by what we can't say. Um, those
1: I think are my favorite songs
0: yeah. on uh, the I, album.
1: Definitely Cosmic Dancer. Uh, yeah, Monolith yeah. and
2: Girl, like those are those are. Them. I like the yes, they are super like haunting for some reason. I like the sad songs. I like that. I like Life's a yeah. Gas. Like I like when he gets like wistful. Uh,
0: so there's also I have another one. Ben Gerson from Rolling Stone, our favorite magazine. Uh, paraphrasing here at the beginning of uh, what Electric Warrior seems to be saying is that rock is ultimately as quaint as wizards and unicorns, and finally as defunct. Which <laughs>
2: is that? What the album is saying?
0: I did not get that at all. Uh, and then I like that. I feel the, like
1: that's Mark Bolin, though. Like not so much that album, but Mark Bolin definitely. Like this he loves sort of like
0: wizards and unicorns. He wrote. Yeah. He wrote fantasy novels as well. Oh yeah, he was. Oh, I didn't uh, know He was that. talking about yeah.
2: that. That interview we all listened to.
0: Yeah, he does. He does talk about fantasy novels and that. A lot of his lyrics. Um, especially pre-T-Rex when they're still Tyrannosaurus Rex, they're very, like, fantasy. and um, I mean, like I was saying, that first album was called, was our, our children were fun and they had fair, fun hair, <laughs> and they wore stars in their hair. Uh, I used
2: to, when I was a kid, I would always mix up t-rex and dinosaur junior even though they're wildly different bands <laughs> just because i was like well there can't be two dinosaur- those are
1: the dinosaur bands
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah imagine
0: you being like a child and being like i don't know <laughs> now imagine being a child and hearing dinosaur junior you'd be so disappointed yeah. Like even if you look at their albums, you're going to be like, I can't wait to hear what this is going to be. I'm so excited for these dinosaur be, songs. Yeah. It's like a dinosaur, but he's also a kid like me. He's a junior. <laughs> and it's like these nice, like, because they have like kind of cartoonish album covers, yeah. right? Am I thinking of yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. do. One of them, if you don't know what a cigarette is, you're going to look at that one album and be like, he looks just like me. <laughs> There's a little kid like me. Um very different bands. Where was I? So I pulled some clips from uh that interview we all listened to because specifically I want to talk about where that guy says that he's speaking in gibberish. I thought it was funny that he brings up in this interview that he hates when people call his lyrics gibberish. <laughs> And he specifically is like... I think he says it makes me cry.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds right for Bowen.
4: What she said initially about, you know, being fun and like that. But I was just wondering about some of your uh, adjectives, like mambo sun or alligator rain. Did you just like... Um, sounds good. Do no? that because it sounds good. I mean, it does sound good. It does good. sound good, doesn't it? It does. And, but I guess... Does that have anything else other than the uh, sounding to it? Yes. For me to to explain, would, would, I'd have to cut you up or, or transpose you voice small and put you inside
0: my brain. Really.
1: <laughs> As in a normal one, are we?
0: <laughs> For me to explain what I meant, I'd have to chop you up into little pieces <laughs> and transpose you into my brain. Oh, that's insane. Uh, this <laughs> is where he says it makes him cry.
4: You're slim and you're weak. You've got the teeth of the Hydra. Oh, this is him heart.
0: reading his lyrics off an album. Do you
4: know what a Hydra is? Yeah. yeah. That, that ain't weird, man, compared to, you're talking about, you're a number one well. rapper for eight weeks. You're putting in Greek mythology in a number such one a record. Fucking... If that's not
0: well, I'm, ta- I'm talking about the consistency of it. Like you know, because so this is the kind of stuff where the more interviews I listen to, the more I was like, "Wow, he is like such a little bitch."
3: <laughs> just uh, a little. He's
2: just a little prick. I love. He is, I love the but... idea of just saying the name of a monster and be like, "Yeah, I put Greek mythology <laughs> in <Yeah>. the album." <laughs> 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 it doesn't mean anything. <laughs>
0: Can you imagine that? Having a number one record for eight weeks that says fucking Greek mythology in it. Can you believe that? Like, that's what he's saying. It's insane. <laughs> oh, what a I have one more clip related to that. Ages began. Cain and Abel. <laughs> he he's still reading his lyrics. i
4: lost like a lion in the canyons of smoke pollution. Girl, it's no joke. No, that's
2: not poetry, man. There ain't no- <laughs> Why'd he pick, like, one of his, like, lamest rhymes?
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Like he if had- that's not poetry, man. I don't know what poetry is.
1: <laughs> it's like, yeah. He,
0: he has better lines than that.
1: <laughs> he definitely does. Wow,
2: yeah. There's
1: just something about the disdain in his voice, too. It's just, like, it's kind of, it's hard for me to listen to him talk. I watched a documentary or, like, kind of listened to one this week, it was like a TV documentary about Mark Bolin. Mm-hmm. And like, it it paints him, like, I liked him so much more after watching that. But first I had listened to these like interviews that, which is just like, you know, him talking. And it's like, I think Mark Boland as a person sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so it's like, but when you like look at his career and like, you know, all the influences and you know, whatever, like then it's like, oh yeah, Mark Bolin's fucking cool. But listening to him talk for more than, like, five minutes is like, Jesus Christ.
0: Well, that's kind of what makes me feel, like, kind of relate him to Prince. Because I feel like when you hear yeah. about Prince talking, you, like, can't stand him of, like, what is wrong with this guy? But then it's because in his brain, there's, like, a thousand other things happening about something completely different. Um, something I really took away from all these Mark Bolin interviews from this time period is... Uh, the way he keeps saying that he doesn't have much time yet. Yeah, that was... And he keeps saying he only has five more years to go, and he died six years later.
3: Whoa. The whole
0: thing is that he never got his license because he was afraid to drive because he had nightmares of dying prematurely in a car accident. And then his girlfriend was driving him one night, and they got into a car accident and he died instantly. Uh, So it's like it's really kind of freaky of like he predicted that would happen and he's talking here about how he only has about five years left on earth to get his work done. And that's why he wants to like hop into the mainstream and, and, and get his music out to everybody that there is. Cause at one point he, he says that electric warrior is, uh, a way for them to see, like, this is why Britain digs us so much. Hmm. Uh, what is it? <laughs> oh yeah there's one quote i had from him. i accept that i am mainstream now i want to be hip am and just i think it's the beginning of this interview where he like declares that he is now mainstream but
3: yeah.
0: it, it's it, it's an interesting thought because i mean um zappa kind of did the same thing where he just went into the studio and recorded two albums just for their commercial potential just to make money to get the rest of his stuff out Uh, and it's just that kind of weird like i don't know it's 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 cheap and flimsy but also it's like well you are a musical genius so you did make electric warrior you know what i mean
2: yeah and i i feel like those like quotes it's like it really is like the mix of like uh his like pretentiousness and also like that kind of sense that something is haunting him (laughs) <laughs> like you yeah. like that that was a decent quote from the pitchfork thing cuz it does all over the album there are just like allusions to like just like yearning and like not really being made for this world like you get
0: that like
1: totally yep uh
0: yeah I didn't know that Cosmic dancer was about reincarnation until he I he was talking about it in an interview
2: I love that song uh, man.
0: That is a great song and I never understood it until he explained that it was about reincarnation. I'm like, oh that is he's just dancing through the universes. I love the way that he says boogie all the time. Mm. He's always like that that doesn't boogie, man. <laughs> and I'm like that really makes me boogie. Uh, but sticking with the pretentious Mark Bolin, let's listen to a, another clip that happens a couple of times in this. Uh, but here's another clip from the same Mark Bolin US interview here. Tony, mm. can you check out What's the name? dude next door? The
4: cash box. Phase. Hmm. Yeah. Because there's some champagne coming, because we should fluctuate Why it. We we need in, time. In, right. are we going Right, no, because right, yeah. we don't do a jack right. good. But there's some champagne we ordered an hour ago. A jack good? Maybe it went next door. Would it? <laughs> I wouldn't like that <laughs> at all. <laughs> there's someone out, spaced yeah, out, out in okay. here, Brian, Right. Yeah. Is that you take right. t- you take that, yeah. Champagne then, please. You
2: want
4: come on down. Champagne? Of course she's That's nice. I like champagne. It's that oh, um. Get on
0: there, Tom. Can we get our main man together as well? Oh it
4: right, man, and they fucking
0: love it. Uh, so that's them trying to get champagne and I didn't write it down, but I believe it's right about here where the champagne comes back.
4: Brown sugar. We top McCartney with another day. We top Lennon with powder. The people mm-hmm. in England. We got the number one on all those ones. They couldn't tie.
0: No, I didn't write down the next one, another one that happens. But he asks about that champagne like three or four times through the interview. And at one point, uh, I don't. They never explain what happens. But at one point, someone comes in and you hear him say they didn't have champagne. They just had black coffee and Coca Cola. And
1: oh my god.
0: He's like, so I got you some cold Coca-Cola. And then you hear him go, What? And then the recording stops. And then it comes back and he's discussing good champagne. And so I I like to imagine that someone got bitched out hard ever coming back with Coca-Cola until he got his <laughs> until he got his fucking champagne. Wow. Uh, what? But this also, word. like
1: in this this whole interview, like at in the beginning, I think I feel like they, you know, they start talking. It takes a while for them to like kind of get a good flow going, and then eventually, like Mark Boland says something about like Ray Davies or something or the Kinks, like yes. their sounds being different uh, or the same, and uh, obviously like Mark Boland doesn't like that, and he said he starts like talking shit about the Kinks, and then later he's like. Don't publish this, man. Like, you can't publish what
0: I said about yeah. the kinks. Uh, I, I might
1: the... be where he says he comes off as a cunt. <laughs>
0: um, I have the kinks clip right here if you want to hear I it. I want to hear it. Yeah. So, we were so
4: full. Uh, one one thing. How about, like, your, vo- your vocal influences? You I know. don't have any. Ford cars. Ford, Ford cars. cars. Yeah,
0: that's... What a douchey thing to say uh, Your vocal influence Ford cars <laughs> well,
4: Greta Garber. Greta Garber. No, No um, I don't know I think well, I, I can't answer that sir. That's, I actually I don't know probably, That's the only question I really can't answer Probably Too many you, know. t- no, you tell me Who you think I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't know Actually I don't know um, that's so hard to s- Who would you say, Jim?
0: only time I've ever gotten any particular idea of who you might sound like was on Elemental Child, where you, I thought it sounded like Ray Davies.
4: Yeah. Well,
0: and that's the only one out of four albums. That's hours. what I would say. That's
4: The first time I heard that song, I thought it was the Kings. And he mm-hmm. In fact, visual. He said, he said that, right. um, what was it, was it Victoria? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he, he was trying to sound, sound like me. Yeah. yeah, I saw an interview or something like that. He, he told said me that, that he was yeah. trying to sound like weird. Yeah. That is yeah. He's very into copy I don't really that. Like, like, yeah. yeah. I think you can I mean, like, do, like, do it, it. That's why no, sure I noticed. Mean, I noticed the similarity in the voices in Elemental. Oh, I've never listened that much to the Kings. I love Ray's writing. Who? Who do you like? I think the band let let him down actually. I love him as a writer. I think he yeah. should How, Well, you knows. think the band let him down? Well, I yeah. I mean, I, musically, I mean, they don't move me. I love his writing. He's his personal man. Yeah, I know. What and I think they're very good. Yeah. But I think live they're not very good. Yeah, they are They're terrible, and I don't. I they can't really understand are. that man. I can't
2: fucking understand. Yeah. You know, I'll actually defend that, even though I love the Kings, because they were notorious. In the 60s and 70s for performing shit faced. So they probably were a I didn't terrible. Know that. And like that's why they got banned from I mean, if I do a kick album on my week, like they got banned from America because they got so drunk on stage and kept fighting each other, like getting into like fists. So <laughs> maybe he's right. They might have really been a terrible live <laughs> band when he saw them. <laughs> It, it, like to like listen to the albums and like they're like one of the best bands ever. You're like, wow, what a dick! Yeah. But he might actually be right about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> be like Dana was saying. He does go on later to be like, don't, don't, don't publish all this, please. I can't, I can't have that out. I don't want. <laughs> they'd be crushed when they knew what I said. I don't want them to know what a little bitch I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. I, wanted, I, I I got a couple other quotes here from uh, Tony Visconti, uh, who was their producer from the beginning of Tyrannosaurus Rex all the way up through Tanks, and I believe Tanks was the last album he produced for them, and then it went on to be uh, Mark Boland producing the rest of them, but I didn't realize that they just had, it was always Tony Visconti. Yep, yeah, that was... I was right. It was right until tanks. Uh, but I have a quote here of the difference between, you know, that's that's kind of what we've all discovered, is that Mark Boland is a little bit of a prick. Uh, but it's funny because he's just like a little fucking queen. He's just such a diva of like, I, I want to play my sexy glam rock and I don't want people in the way. I talk about dragons. I'm a fucking deep poet, man. I'm a fucking, I'm yeah. a fucking artist, man. Uh. So this is Tony Visconti discussing because he also worked with David Bowie um, through the uh, late sixties, early seventies. Oh no, he worked with. Uh, I was
2: like looking above. He he worked all the way up to Black Star. That's nuts. I didn't know that.
3: Yeah,
1: was... he was on some of the albums too, but I think mm. he produced. That's fucking almost all of them, if not That's all.
0: That's so cool. I did not know that. Uh, so this was David uh, David Bowie. David was more of a good guy. He felt he was part of a movement. Mark felt like he was in competition with everyone and he felt in competition with David. David thought there was room for everybody. They'd be together at my place quite often. It was like a neutral ground and we all just got on great. We'd have maybe one bottle of wine between 10 people, as is all we could afford, and copious amounts of tea. Huh. And then they went on to talk about how they would just put on records and jam out to records. So imagine, I guess, David Bowie and Mark Bolin and Tony Visconti just hyped up on tea and one glass <laughs> of wine. It's <laughs> so with Mark Boland, one tenth like of a in. glass
1: of wine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's so just funny to think of
2: them as like poor kids.
0: Yeah, it was really funny to think about David Bowie being like, We're all part of a team, we're a big movement, we're gonna make sexy rock a thing to calm people down later. <laughs> and Mark Bolin's like, yes, I will.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. It's like, you can totally tell, like when you were saying like Mark Bolin feels like a fraud, it's like, he is like so like obsessed with making sure that you know that he's fucking Mark Bolan. you know, that he's like this like incredible pop star and that I feel like, I don't know, you can definitely hear that in like the way that he vocalizes too. It's like all very much like, you know a show
0: mm. yeah
1: but like listening to him talk it's like he doesn't i don't know i feel like he is like he has to convince you that like you know he is like the pop star you know he needs a champagne
3: right yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I saw some quote which was like he was like the most full of himself pop star that there ever was wow
0: and I, it's saying a lot but it's it's on the flip side of that, he always was T Rex. I guess eventually becomes Mark Bolin and T Rex, but it's strange that, like, he wanted to be the group of T Rex. Right. Which is, I'm not, I, that to me is not like proof that he's not that. It's that to me is confusing because he clearly is that. It's, it's like, <laughs> why didn't, why, I mean, I guess he felt like he needed, um, Jesus, I'm blanking on uh, the guy's name, the other half of T-Rex. So like, like Bongo oh,
1: Peregrine. Yeah, Peregrine Took. What's his
0: name?
2: Mickey Finn.
0: Uh, we, what? Yeah, Mickey Finn.
1: Oh, that's okay. I was thinking of like the other half of like Bolin's like two-piece.
0: Yeah, that was Mickey Finn. Yeah, I think you just said a hobbit.
1: No, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> no. it sounds like a Hobbit name, but like, oh, who was that guy? Hold on. It does sound like a
0: Hobbit name. <laughs> I think that was a character from a oh, Mark Boland song.
1: Steve Peregrine.
0: Is that a spice?
1: That's his name. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a spice. No, um, but he, okay, so before it was T-Rex, it was duo Tyrannosaurus Rex, and he was in the duo with Mark Bowman.
0: Oh, see, I thought, let's see. But yeah, it's Mickey Finn is the other half of T-Rex. It says new
2: musical partner, so maybe there was another one. Before it,
0: oh, 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 first, oh, oh, oh I'm oh.
1: putting it in the chat.
0: Oh, Regal Zonophone. Oh no, that's a record label. Steve Perry, yeah, yeah. He he was the last Tyrannosaurus X album to feature Steve Peregrin Took. What a fake! Name. The
1: Hobbit. Yeah.
0: What 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 was happening in the '60s?
2: Steve Peregrine Took, Storm Thorganson. What What's happening
0: in the '40s with the names? Yeah, sorry, the '40s. <laughs> None of these people chose their na- this except for, like, Cat Stevens. Yeah. It was like, that's, that's the lamest. I love Cat Stevens, Um, but that is, like, the dumbest name. <laughs> and he, do you know the whole thing behind Cat Stevens? His name's, like, Steven something, but he wanted a cooler name because his last name didn't sound great, and he wanted a name that let everyone know that he was a real cool cat.
2: Oh, no. Oh no! So that's <laughs> that's Cat Stevens. That
1: first round was Cool Cat Stevens.
2: <laughs> and then, yeah, that's and a little too on, on the cool. nose. <laughs> I like that. Which is yeah. at that uh, uh
0: Dimitri Giorgio, okay. Giorgio, Giorgio. Yeah, I guess that is a cool. a cool name. I,
1: don't know. I, don't, I think that's pretty that's cool. Giorgio.
0: Steven Dimitri Giorgio. Um, well, that doesn't sound like a real cool cat. <laughs> Sorry, Sanjo Joe. Yeah,
2: uh, I, at the Jimmy Cliff concert I went to, he was talking about because they were both on Island uh, records together, and like if the way Jimmy Cliff tells it, gets Stevens <laughs> like would not have a career if it wasn't for Jimmy Cliff. <laughs> like, he's just really? like, yeah, because like, Jimmy Cliff like was gonna record, I think like where did the children play, and he's just like, I don't really like this, and Jimmy Cliff's like. Steven, if you don't record this song, I will, and I will sell millions. <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, whatever you say, Jimmy Cliff." Like <laughs> <And laughs> he, he like releases his biggest hit. Oh no, no so it was that song's World, so good. Not, it was Wild World that way did the children play. But either way, no, it was oh
1: World. whoa, whoa! I want to hear yeah, the Jimmy Cliff hurt. version. Honestly, he
2: played it live. It was pretty cool. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was also oh, so he's. It was awesome because he was like, he's 70, and like, it starts off, like, he started the concert, like, people, like, the band was just all playing, bo- like, different tuned bongos, and then he just came out dancing, and he was, like, doing, like, high kicks, <laughs> yeah. you're like, whoa, this is awesome, and then everyone on the bongos just pulled up other instruments, they were all, like, freakishly talented music so, like, they, they started yeah. bongo and then they all pulled out, like, guitars, flugel horns like, there was a really good flugelhorn player, I distinctly remember. <laughs>
0: Well, you can never forget a good flugelhorn player.
2: I think that's the weird haunting <laughs> instrument on Girl, right? I think that's a flugelhorn.
1: It is,
0: yeah. I don't know what a flugelhorn is. <laughs> you dumb I just bitch. learned this
1: morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's, pretty, it's, trumpet, like, oh. it's pretty, it's just a trumpet, but like,
2: it's like, shorter, and like I wider. Think it's, like it's like, wider. It's a chode trumpet, is what they originally. Oh,
0: it's like all shoved into itself?
2: Yeah. yeah it, it, yeah, Flugel is the German word for chode.
0: <laughs> chode <horn.
2: laughs>
0: yeah. First picture that comes up is Chuck Mangione, the human chodehorn.
2: <laughs> I just love that Chuck Mangione was
0: so committed to playing himself a king of the hill. It's like, great... yeah, he was so funny in that show.
1: I'm really Mega. glad that you just brought that up because I was like, the, I always just think of the King of the Hill episodes whenever I hear Chuck. Mangione, <laughs> How can
0: you not? You, got right? he lives. What was the store? What's the store called? Megamart. Mart. Mega Mart. He lived yeah. there. That's right. All right, so yeah, this is now a King of the Hill podcast. <laughs> I have this record. I have a few Chuck Mangione records, but one of them I do is have. Is one of them I have is Fun and Games. And he's holding a flugelhorn, so. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. That's what it is? Yeah. Chuck Mangione plays the flugelhorn. I guess he has a little chode horn. Uh, So, anyways, Electric Warrior.
2: Name so, the that's the it is David Bowie horns. and Mark
0: Bolin. <laughs> <laughs> the chode horn It's hour. nice to know that David Bowie was, like, into... We're just having fun, and we're a scene. Let's see it. Uh, that's so sweet. So... Here's another thing about Mark Ballin being a funny blowhard diva is he's talking in this interview about how big they were in England. And he keeps saying things like we sold millions, man. We had it. We had everything. We were the biggest thing there ever was. And then there's this quote from Tony Visconti. Um, they had a very limited audience. They were mostly John Peel fans they wanted the most underground thing going and they wanted to preciously hang on to that. We know how many of their people, we know how many of those people there were. It was 20,000. We always <laughs> hit the ceiling of 20,000 album sales. So, <laughs> they never made, sold more than 20,000 albums per album. But Mark Bolin is like, we're the biggest thing. We sold millions.
1: That's funny that he says that because I thought that, you know, there were a number of things that I read that were like, T-Rex were bigger than the Beatles, like for, at a certain point, like in England. And like, yeah. you know, something about like the Beatles also like saying that like T-Rex like kind of took the the baton from them or whatever. I could, I know it wasn't that way in the States, but like I was kind of surprised to read that they were so big there. What was it? Uh there's Beatlemania and then T Rex to see was what they <laughs> called. But it's
2: oh, okay. I, I, I knew there was that. I knew the
0: that. the album T Rex I didn't know that was like a thing.
1: Yeah, I think that was like somebody needed a you know catchy thing. But maybe that was all just like sign like making a like more like of the perception of them. Yeah. You know, if we just say that all this is going on, I mean, if they're not selling more than twenty thousands in albums, I could
2: definitely more bark sure Mark Bowland be like twenty thousand albums. The country's got T
0: Rexes. <laughs> the country only has what 10, 5,000 people in it, so that means they've all bought a million each. <laughs>
2: they've got it. <laughs> they've got the ecstasy. <laughs> well,
0: I wonder if it's too. Is like, is there more into like the hippie movement and stuff? And and they do. Tony Visconti talks a lot about how Mark Boland was not a hippie and was pretty straight and lived with his parents, but he just liked. He was just a fucking weirdo and a dork. Uh, so maybe it's the more the fact that like, like they were part of the hippie crowd, so it's almost like culty, more like Ween, where it's like there's a huge movement for T Rex, but it's not the mainstream media. Do you know,
2: Alan? Like, how out yeah. was Mark Boland while he was alive? Like, was he? It's like I feel like, like queerness is such a factor in glam rock, and like we have it like
0: oh. It's Uh, funny that we went, like, an hour. I think by 72, he, like, openly talked about that he was bisexual. Because that was... Oh, really? I didn't
1: see anything about that, but I was, like, clearly, like, this dude is, at the very least, bisexual if not, like, completely
0: gay. Yeah, it was in one of the articles I read. I feel like that's such a big part of the legacy of
2: Mark Boland. But, it's funny that we didn't talk about that for, like, an hour, hour and a half but like like that it was like like that was what was so cool about glam rock was like for the first time you had like a more flagrant bucking of like gender norms of like i could wear this feather boa and fuck a boy if i want and i'll still be a big rock star like like the kinks were like both the both davies brothers were by.
0: let's change it to fuck a guy not fuck a boy (laughs) yeah yeah fuck a boy has a whole other like yeah you're right
2: you're right you're right uh but but like
0: glam rock finally made it acceptable (laughs) yeah
2: no no that's a bad bad turn of phrase
1: there's a lot there's a lot of like evidence of like you know david boat or like i guess not really evidence it was just kind of a thing like David Bowie was like, you know, super into like not like kids, but you know
0: young boys.
1: Yeah, right. So boy like men. I boy men and the like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if T Rex, you know, yeah. or Mark Bolin, I should
2: say. That that was but, like it was it was like a definitely a unfortunate thing about like rock stars that like like they just did not see an issue with having yeah. sex with like it, like they, they thought like fourteen was within the acceptable bounds. I feel like,
0: and they always wrote songs about. Yeah, it.
2: yeah it's like what's uh There's like the Rolling right. the Rolling Stones song. Uh, I think it's like cat cat scratch fever. No, that's not the Rolling Stones. What? No, Straight Cat Blues. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I really fucked up. I was <laughs> like.
0: Cat scratch fever. He's like definitely not about fucking kids, and it it's definitely not the Rolling Stones. <laughs> no, it's
2: uh, I think it's, <laughs> it's Straight cat loser. He goes like, uh, you, say, "You like, uh, like, yeah." Uh, he says like, "I don't need to see no ID." Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> just a line about like Mick Jagger plainly does not care if you are
0: under sixteen. Well, there's that Doctor listen- Hook song. Sorry, what, day? Oh, her? go
1: ahead. Oh well, I was just gonna say I listened to, um, I've been listening to that that podcast that you recommended to me. Screw it, we're just gonna talk about the Beatles. Mm. And I think in the first first episode, they're talking about you know that song. It's like she's just seventeen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like no, I don't know what you. Mean.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
1: just the thing of the time. Yeah,
0: there's a f- yeah, it's there's a funny story
2: of like Joe Strummer's wife or ex-wife, like but like the mother of his children. And they were talking, like, she was, like, a groupie for the Clash. And, like, she was just, like, having like breakfast with her kids. And, like, how old were you when you met Dad? And she was, like, oh, I was, like, 16. You're, like, so Dad was a pedophile? <laughs> They're, like, no. No. Oh. Oh. No. <laughs> like, it's just, like, this, like, weird like, <laughs> just, like, family breakfast that they had. <laughs> that's so
3: oh.
2: Like, no, I was, like, pursuing him. But, uh,
0: yeah, I guess that's not don't don't do what I did, kids. Like <laughs> You know, I was um on on that thread. I was thinking recently about how people say that kids grow up so much faster these days, but there was like the time of child brides. Name of the album. It yeah. seems like they grew up faster as child brides.
2: Yeah, like when like they would ways. be dead by 30. Like that
0: was just like <laughs> times are not be dead by 30. Like Mark Bolin, who talked about in this interview that he's not going to live past forty. Yeah, he didn't. He sure didn't. Um, so we've we've talked about T Rex and Electric Warrior quite a lot here. Uh, I think we've gone through all of my notes. Oh yeah. I was going to think we could go through some of the album. And talk about some of our favorite tracks off of it.
2: Oh, uh, can I can I take a break? I really gotta go. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then i I'm, I'm all
0: in. I'm Is back.
1: <laughs> Howlin' Wolf. Oh. Howlin' Wolf. Well, I was just gonna say, yeah. did you listen to that song I sent you?
0: You sent me a Howlin' Wolf song. Oh, I
1: guess you didn't get it. You're
0: so sweet. You're so <laughs> I love Howlin' Wolf. How,
3: I
2: so mm-hmm. I love Hollow Wasn't he was below appetite for destruction <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, like one of the fathers of rock and roll Not as good as Axel Rose
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well Dana just sent me this Because it is essentially just Jeepster Oh, yeah
1: Yeah, it's a ripoff.
0: That's the last song <laughs> You
2: so sweet You so fine How I wish You was mine Oh, yeah <laughs> Those, those like 60s and 70s British fans loved ripping off.
1: All of them ripped off Alan Wolf. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah. yeah. There's a song on, um, it's crazy on Village Green Preservation Society that is just like,
0: yeah, the last of the steam powered. Yeah. Train. It's just
2: blatantly smokestack lightning.
0: I thought that was more like, a goof on smokestack lightning.
2: I think, uh, yeah, I think like I've grown to accept that it was like an intentional and like humorous riff on it, but it
0: will get us the they're the last of the steam power trains,
2: yeah. But it's still like the same song. <laughs> I don't yeah. think they gave yeah, him right.
0: credit or money for it. <laughs> I guess I took it Probably the same not. as like everyone does, uh, Bo Diddley, yeah. Like every George Thorogood song is just Bo Diddley.
2: Yeah, like, I, like I'm all, I'm like I'm all about like referencing and like all music's connected and all that. But like, if you're gonna take that much, maybe toss some money to the yeah. guy. <laughs>
1: I mean, the f- the first like ten seconds of this song is like the same first as Jeepster,
2: and like almost yeah. the first opening it's line crazy. too.
1: Yeah,
0: but I do like Jeepster. Uh, so let's go through some Electric Warrior tracks here, and. Um, Let's well, let's start with Jeepster. Since we just listened to that Howlin' Wolf song that was just uh just Jeepster. I mean yeah, this is it, huh? Yeah. It's weird cause like when they talk about in those interviews of songs that are nonsense, it's not Jeepster. But this is nonsense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's not poetry, man. The the tell me what is. Uh, so I know we all talked about Cosmic Dancer earlier. Do you guys have a favorite track off this album? I mean, it
2: probably is Cosmic Dancer.
1: Well, I just want to say that Jeepster is like, yeah, Cosmic Dancer is is definitely up there for me. But Jeepster has to be one of the horniest songs on the whole album. And it's a pretty Definitely
2: horny album. Definitely not the horniest song. What do you think's the
0: horniest, Bang a Gong? Yeah, the one called Get It On.
1: <laughs> I don't know, it's just like, I I feel like Get It On, Bang a Gong, whatever is like, it's maybe more like overtly sexual, mm-hmm. but Jeepster is just like, I don't know, like the way that Mark Bolin like sings on it and mm. just like, I don't know, the riff of it, you know?
0: The kind of, like, hurried nature of the song, almost. I just love
2: the idea of, like, that being what you're going to woo. Like, I'll be, like, a Jeep for you. Like, if I see another guy wooing you, we'll, like, wave like Jeep
0: guys. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what is a Jeepster? I think it's-,
1: it's just a Jeep, like the car.
0: <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I always, I don't know why I always thought of, like, Jeepers Creepers, which talk about fucking little kids. Maybe um, we'll
2: cut all the pedophilia <laughs> discussion <laughs> from the first episode. <laughs> the, the QAnon
1: serial <laughs> Joe Rogan trap <laughs> yeah, yeah. cum house.
0: Yeah, that we did uh, we did think about starting this like it'll just be like a fun sweet music conversation. We went right to Joe Rogan's serial cum house and <laughs> the how much people like to fuck kids in the 60s. Yeah, and the guy that made Jeepers creepers that's right that was like jeepster was like I, I was thinking like he was a spooky guy see if I can, me too but no it's easy I guess it's not, like to say i'm like a jeep for i'd rather someone be like i'm gonna be a jeep for you than like i'm gonna be i'm gonna fucking scare you
2: <laughs> <laughs> At least uh, I
1: know what to expect when someone says they're going to scare me What the fuck does that mean? You're going to be a jeep
2: for me <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I'm what to take mean. off your doors and roof uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to hear him say dance <laughs> Dancing when I was 12 I was dancing
4: when I was 12 I was dancing when I was This is dancing a lot
0: <laughs> This is like such a pretty song
4: I was dancing
0: I guess really this one and Mambo Son are the two that like are my go-to like Let's listen to some relaxing music Smoke a jazz cigarette Yeah,
4: I feel like
1: this, this whole album There's a lot of like orchestration happening underneath That like yeah. really sets the tone for it
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's so cool. Like
1: the fliggle horn on
2: Girl. Yeah, let's let's hear it. We talked about it. Let's do it.
0: All right, so we are go to Girl. Let's get that chode. (laughs) Let's hear that chode horn on this girl.
4: And
0: I do think, like... There's something to be said about when you work with the same producer for so long that just like, there's gonna be ways you can fill each other's gaps that just other people would not know. You think they filled each other's gaps? Yeah. (laughs) With their their flugel horns.
1: I think it's like more in the outro of the song.
2: I think it's coming soon.
0: There it is, sorry. How does such a hideous horn make such a pretty sound? It's so, like,
2: ethereal.
4: Hmm.
2: I love that he's just, like, roasted the shit out of
0: this girl yeah girls <laughs> are like, <laughs> mentally weak that's brutal you're like a boat but you're, you're like a boat that sunk but somehow you float
2: <laughs> fatty <laughs>
0: that's,
2: that's what he's saying <laughs> it's poetry I'm in
0: shape and I'm fucking rich I write poetry
2: but I mean it is really a beautiful album
0: yeah as much as we've we've shit on mark bull in this whole episode this is still one of my favorite albums and it is like that's the thing is like i don't know he kind of gets to be like a little diva queen because he is like i mean that does make sense he is like the origin of uh, glam style and like totally that glam image yeah like for
2: how like (laughs) not like you're right. Like when you like were a kid, like it's not a hard rocking album, but the guitar on it is awesome. Like all his solos are really cool and melodic and yeah. like they do yeah, rock. Definitely. Like they are rock solos, just not just in this cool, weird, quiet context.
0: There is this one interview I listened to with him where he says that sometimes he'll play get it on for 20 straight minutes live, doing solos and jamming over it. And so I guess like he expands a lot of these songs live and adds a lot more guitar and solos to it, but purposely took them out of this because he was going for a mainstream American audience that he didn't think would go for extended solos and jamming and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I mean I, that makes sense. I guess like America did kick Hendrix
2: out. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. So like
2: <laughs> we weren't ready
0: for it yet.
1: We weren't ready. <laughs> uh.
0: I'm going to play the clip. This is my probably favorite track off of this album is the closer. It is called rip off. It's so funny. It's so heavy.
3: Yeah, it like is.
0: this is one of those songs that I just, I, I want to play in a band again just so I can cover this song. Line. I love like this. It's such a blast to play. It's
2: such a wild song to end an album with.
0: Well, and it's it's so angry, it's so hateful, and it's just about how life's such a ripoff. And I think that's so Especially after
1: Life's a Gas, too, which is like this really, like another kind of like ethereal song. Yes.
2: I think Life's a Gas might be my second favorite on the album.
0: I know we're going completely out of order. I should have just went through all the tracks in order here. Stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll get the order sorted out here. Unless you're one of the people already kicked out earlier. (laughs) Stay the fuck out of our home. I never thought about that, that it does go right from life's a gas to life's a rip off.
2: I love a well-timed, like the band cuts out. Like whenever yeah. that happens, like yeah. and they nail it, it's always a great moment.
0: Does he say that I would love you, girl, like a planet? Yeah. Yeah. Poorly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> ineffectively. You, girl,
0: like a planet. What does that mean?
2: You're gonna make him cry. If you keep asking, yeah. don't you dare say it's
0: gibberish. <laughs> yeah. It makes me cry when they say it because I really put thought into it. It's fucking poetry, man.
2: I'm sorry. I just took a-
0: everyone was quiet. Just, just <laughs> the perfect time for you to take that trip.
2: Uh, I'm not. I'm not cut out for being alive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: huh. So, before we get going, uh, before we do the full wrap-up at the end here, let's do one last stat for the album. And that is where we discover how many degrees from Frank Zappa is this album. And this is actually a very easy one to figure out because the gentleman doing backing vocals on almost every track on this album, most famously on Get It On, uh monolith i believe they also have the last word of that song uh but as none other than mark volman not mark not mark Bolan, mark volman and howard calen Flo and eddie from the turtles uh but more importantly in my mind from the mothers uh specifically during 1971 when they recorded electric warrior and they mention in one of the interviews that mark volan mark bolan when he was in la recording Grabbed two of the mothers to record backing vocals for his, uh, this album. So, one degree from Frank Zappa today. I thought that was a very hectic song to put in the background of something. It felt like a breaking <laughs> <perfect>. news story. <laughs> breaking news G
2: Spot tornado wreaks havoc on Kansas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's Electric Warrior. Thank you, everyone, for listening to uh, an episode that was nearly twice the length of the album. Well, actually, it was almost it was almost four times the length of the album. Uh, so you can listen to T-Rex four times, or you can uh, listen to us discuss it, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know what this was. I'm gonna I'm gonna relabel this episode as. Uh, the Primer episode featuring Electric Warrior. Because I feel like this was more us going over Rolling Stone lists and discussing music that we hated. And uh, and that, I don't know. So something else we were going to do at the end of each episode is you guys didn't choose the this week's albums, but I'm sure you've listened to plenty of music. Is there a song in particular you guys are really digging right now?
1: Um, um yeah I've been listening to um speaking of ska this is like Jamaican ska though not like, like, like the
2: actual good music know. not
1: like yeah. shitty white kids <laughs> not, from Southern California not like Mighty Mighty Bostons yeah um but it's um Prince Buster oh, is the name yeah. and the song is called Madness yeah that well ever since like you know what happened on on Wednesday at the Capitol building like that Song has just been stuck in my head. Yeah, that's the one. It's
2: really good. Uh, I love this song.
1: Yeah, this whole album is great, and he—he's just great. Like, and you know, I really love um ska music, like like this and reggae music. Have you been?
2: Li- I've oh, been getting it. Have you been watching a uh, Small Axe, the Steve McQueen? -mm. Oh, it's like the guy that directed uh, Twelve Years a Slave has made like a five movie miniseries on Amazon just about like West Indian culture in England in the seventies. Oh, really? The soundtrack is so good, and I hope it makes people realize that like there is, if you listen to like authentic ska record, it's actually really good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. I didn't know ska was really that related i mean i don't want to say i didn't know it was related to reggae
2: it predates reggae isn't that weird
0: that is weird i didn't know that yeah scott i guess I yeah didn't there's know like there's a couple beyond, waves. beyond like i guess whatever wave is real big fish and
2: yeah that's the third that's wave. the unfortunate wave that i do actually still <laughs> yeah. like a lot of but it's objectively the worst wave
0: we should just do a we should do a special ska episode where you can just explain ska to me.
2: Yeah. I mean I think I could find ska <laughs> yeah. that you would actually like. Like there
0: is good stuff, but I don't think we have enough episodes for that.
2: Oh, no, you would like the specials, man. I do like this.
1: Yeah, the whole album is awesome. Like when this is <laughs> this
0: from.
2: Probably the like late late fifties, early sixties. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because it was just, like, Jamaica had just gotten its independence, so this was, like, really, like, upbeat, um, like, rock and roll. It's basically just early rock and roll, but from Jamaica, and that's what Scott started as. And then reggae, and I'm, like, totally white manning all over Data's pick. Uh, No,
3: go ahead. (laughs) But
2: um, then, like, reggae is actually, like, it's supposed to be, like, heavier and more slowed down, and it came later when, like, there was, like, more... um, infighting and it's like it's like really like dark music actually for how like chill we think it is but like a lot of like early reggae is very like concerned with like gang violence and oppressive governments and it's like
0: so i have listened to a lot of early reggae stuff yeah just from working at a record store for so long
1: there's a hook in this song madness where he just says uh
2: propaganda ministers (gasps)
1: Propaganda ministers, yeah, just over and over again. Propaganda ministers, and it's just like that. Like it, it just it's uh, kind of reflecting what I'm seeing happening, like in our own government right now, quite a bit. Hmm. So
2: yeah, Prince Buster was like, he was like one of like the f- like early like stars, and then he got like a, a second wave of fame as like an old guy because then like the second wave of like British groups that like took the Scott the mantle uh they loved him so much and he kind of came back as like an older man and like got like famous again in like those like 70s and 80s which is cool. Yeah, I didn't
1: know that. What about you, Joe?
0: I do like that Joe just steamrolled right into the <laughs> you brought up Scott, and Joe was like, "I got this." Oh, I'm so sorry. Jay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm actually really relieved to to know that what you like of Scott isn't just like real big fish.
2: No, I mean like that's like what that's what I like of Scott, <laughs> and like I have a soft, <laughs> I have a soft spot yeah. for it because like it's like a, like a dorky like marching band kid. That's like what I like discovered first, but it's <laughs> not the like best representation of the John. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, for me, uh, I think my favorite thing I've discovered in quarantine is that there's like this weird. Uh, Red Army Choir r- cover of Tom Jones's "Sex Bomb" that is like the funniest really? thing I've ever heard, and I can't stop laughing. It's from like Soviet, <laughs> like USSR.
1: Holy shit! And
2: it's just, it's just "Sex Bomb." I don't know why this happened, and I love it so much. I it crack. It has been a <laughs> thing I have listened to so many times in quarantine. <laughs>
0: I love Tom Jones,
2: but it's like, it's so like militaristic that like it's mostly a soloist, but then the choir just comes in on "sex bomb, sex bomb." So
0: intense.
2: This guy's voice rules. I also love like he, I, it must be like the syllable so isn't like what they
0: normally say. Babe, That's not how you conduct either.
3: Sex <laughs> sex <laughs> ball,
2: you can <laughs> yeah. Every time they cut to like the sex dancing old Russians, ball, it's so
0: funny. Wow, R- Russian's having fun. Is there anything funnier to watch?
2: <laughs>
0: I, See, what is he doing? I, I I love this so much. Like, this
2: just fills me with joy.
0: The guy conducting does not seem like, am I wrong? No, he's just like, he's being like a, he's just being
2: like a jazzy guy. He's just making guy. sure no
0: one stands up. <laughs>
2: Are you all sitting? You're all sitting? You're all
0: sitting? <laughs> yeah,
2: he's doing that. He's just...
1: He's, like, not even looking at the band.
4: you
2: sex bomb. I
1: need like the guy doing it just, like, completely joyless.
2: Yeah. Imagine, like, <laughs> sex bomb.
3: Oh. sex
2: bomb. You there's going to be a dance break in a moment that you're not going to want to miss. Maybe
4: you can turn me on. You can give me my mind. Calls on this car. You can turn me upside down.
0: Yikes. This is crazy. You can make me feel the real deal.
2: And I can't get me when you tell me cause you're my mind. What? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think that guy is the sex bomb (laughs) that's (laughs) the the song has been about the guy that comes to dance
3: (laughs) this is awesome
2: i i can't i don't know i maybe it was an av club article that found this i don't know how i stumbled into this but it i've watched it so many times.
0: <laughs> you can
2: me <laughs> the camera work is bananas. You can me you can uh, if, if nothing me else, else comes of this, going. I wanted to share this with the world. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, all right, so... That's uh <laughs> I like <laughs> This is a song with like historical significance, and I think it has like a place in today's society and it's important <laughs> yeah. lyrics. And then Joe's like, You guys want to see this?
2: <laughs> I I like it
0: like musically too. Yeah, I, I, I would no, listen no, to awesome. it, but it's mostly just the surreal, yeah. It works on a lot of levels because it is just a—it's a good song. I like Tom Jones. Uh, but all right, so that's our first episode, which I guess was more of a um, welcome to the show than strictly a show about Electric Warrior. But uh, I had a good time. I'm I'm looking forward to doing more of these with you guys. Yeah, <laughs> I did a lot of this fun. Was
3: awesome.
0: Uh, I hope we hope you guys had a lot of fun listening to it. And you can check out the show notes where I'll put um, links to uh, Prince Buster and the Red Army Choir, which sounds like a different band. (laughs) Like that sounds like its own band, Prince Buster and the Red Army Choir. I
2: would listen to
0: it. Um, And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. And then maybe next episode we'll have a name for it.
1: No promises.
0: Yeah, no promises. But uh, all right, well, we'll see you all later. And uh, have a good day. I'll see you guys.
2: Bye. All Bye. Right. Bye. <laughs> see. Are we guys. actually leaving or just a
4: dig the? <laughs>